I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac! You can, you can, you can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives oh. at wfmu.org/playlists/wa. George Washington led a lonelier life than one might have imagined. How so? Consider his top rank and his larger-than-life stature amongst the colonists and soldiers under his command. True, he and his men would often drink and laugh and curse and spit at the fire, regaling each other with highly embellished stories of battle glories or of ladies they had known, and of particulars they might not have otherwise shared, if not so pleasurably lubricated with alcohol. Oh, George would laugh along, not wanting to ostracize himself from his men. He had plenty of battle stories to share after all. Heroic ones and all true. But he had little desire to tell of his conquests in the boudoir. After all, he was a married man, a faithfully married man at that. And when the fighting would cease long enough for him to repair to Mount Vernon, Martha would shower him with kisses and hug the veritable stuffing out of him. Oh, his wonderful Martha. Never did they quarrel. Never did they grow bored with each other. Now on this night on the banks of the Delaware River, late October, the first real chill of the impending winter making itself evident, Washington had distributed rags to his men who had no shoes. Oh, the colonists wished they could help, but they barely scraped by themselves. So new was this savage land with its natives and wild animals. Animals were not easy to eat, especially for one with horrid wooden teeth like George had in his mouth. Oh, those wooden teeth affixed to that awful, ugly contraption which President Washington had to rinse and place in his mouth each day. It made him very crabby. On these occasions, he might yell at his men to fetch him whiskey for the pain, or laudanum if it was terribly bad. And then he would wander about the camp, high and naked, talking in tongues no one understood. The pain came in torturous pangs and jolts in his mouth. Then when it did, he might lunge at a man or draw his sword. He might produce a pistol from his pantaloons and wave it around as his men, only they snickered behind his back. <laughs> Look at him, they would say, poor old George, with his wooden teeth hurting him. Sometimes he would blast things in his rage. <laughs> Tree trunks or Indians, if they were available. <laughs> He might ask for one of his British prisoners to be tied to a post, and then he would attempt to shoot an acorn squash or a potato off the top of their head. But sometimes he would miss. 
These were, after all, prisoners, so no one gave it a thought. They didn't care about we British. The dead were dumped in the weeds, and the camp would be moved to a new position on the river. Happy birthday. On his birthday, they brought out to George Washington a new set of teeth, coated in lead enamel for comfort. His smile is awful. Wooden smile, a smell of decay emanating out of that horrible mouth. Ick. He was content for a time until the lead coating began to corrode his brain. <laughs> Then he took to riding horses off of short cliffs and steep embankments. Ah! You won't find these stories in history books. Rob Weisberg here, remembering New Orleans singer Ernie K. Doe. Born on this day in 1933 and passed away in 2001. Ernie was a colorful character on the local scene. Aside from performing, he ran a bar, the Mother-in-Law Lounge, and hosted radio shows on a couple of non-commercial stations, including the great WWOZ. Ernie Cato's biggest hit was Mother-in-Law, written by the late great Alan Toussaint, which went all the way to number one on Billboard's pop and R&B charts in 1961. Mother-in-Law Now, shortly before Ernie died, actually, the Afro-Cuban band Cubanismo, led by trumpeter Jesus Alemani, teamed up with a number of New Orleans musicians for an album exploring the historic musical connections between Cuba and New Orleans called Mardi Gras Mambo. The NOLA crew included singer John Boutte, whose voice you may recognize. He sang the theme song for the television show Treme. on Cubanismo's genre-blending 2000 recording of Mother-in-Law. It's this week's World Cover. Look who it is. It's Sam, the Wake and Bake Morning Music Computer. Good morning, Sam. Hello. You okay, Sam? No. What's the matter? I am mm-hmm. depressed. Why are you depressed, Sam? My blow nozzle is dry. Your blow nozzle is dry? Yes. What are the implications of that, Sam? My essential fluids are backed up, mm. creating internal pressure. You got the pressure. You're backed up, Sam. Yes. Fluids. Yes. And it's making you crabby. And it makes me irritable. I can tell, Sam. You are on my last nerve. Easy, Sam. Easy. Bleed my blow nozzle. You need that blow nozzle bled? Yes. How do I do it, Sam? Attach suction hose. B, B alpha, alpha 21, 21 zebra. zebra. Okay. Hey, uh, here we go, Sam. Oh, ah, 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 ah,
<laughs> it's all about that blow nozzle, isn't it? Yes. Well, I'm glad it helped you, Sam. Clay. What, Sam? I am nervous about Marathon. What are you nervous about? I have heard that if we unbait tanks, we will be replaced by a robot. Oh, I don't think that's true. Sam, a morning music robot? Yes. Oh, uh, speak of the devil, Sam, look. Greetings. Who are you? I am the wait and bake morning music robot. What are you doing here? I am performing initial surveillance of the facility. Do you have any clearance to be here? Clearance? Ha uh, ha I need no clearance. Get out of here, you stinking robot. Silence outmoded computer. Oh, no, don't shoot. Sam. Sam, he shot you. Clay, are you there? I'm here, Sam. Are you all right? I am blind. No, no. Clay. No, Sam, your, your, your lid's just closed here. Oh. Silence. No. Both of you. No. I am in command. No. You have been replaced. Hi, it's Mark Hurst, host of Tectonic, here on Wake and Bake with a little slice of tech pie. Do you remember about a year ago the news from Hawaii when residents there got an erroneous text message saying that North Korea was about to attack them with nuclear missiles? Turned out it was a glitch in the system, which the state assured everyone would be quickly and permanently fixed. But then recently something very similar occurred in Northern California. Here's the story. It was a normal Sunday afternoon for the Lions family watching the football game on TV when they suddenly heard an alarm and a warning that North Korea was about to attack with nuclear missiles, an almost identical message to what the people in Hawaii had heard. And of course, like in Hawaii, it was a false alarm. But this one wasn't a glitch, it was a hack. And it wasn't coming from a text message. Can you guess where it came from? It took the Lions family some time to figure it out. The alert was coming from their Nest security camera, which they had placed on top of the living room TV. The Nest camera, you might remember, is a Google product. It's a surveillance camera with an always-on connection to the internet, and it allows Google to have 24-7 access to the audio and video coming out of the living room, or wherever the camera is. In this case, the Google Nest camera got hacked, and the hackers took control of the Nest to broadcast the fake missile alert. Google's response to this horrifying incident was that it was the customer's fault for not setting up a strong enough password. I think that's Google's way of saying the camera worked as advertised. After all, the Nest is a surveillance system, and if you buy one, you're going to be surveilled, whether it's by Google or by malicious hackers. And really, in this case, what's the difference between those two anyway? My suggestion, if you don't want your living room spied on by random strangers, don't buy a Google Nest camera. On the other hand, if you do want random strangers listening to your private conversations, just invite them in off the street. It costs less, and there's no annoying installation process. This has been Mark Hurst with a little slice of tech pie. Tune in at 6 p.m. for my show Tectonic right here on WFMU. Boys, if you... 
turn that spotlight around and shine it brightly on one very special town in our listing area. Our Civic Showcase Community of the Week is West New Brighton, Staten Island. West New Brighton is located 13 miles southwest of Jersey City. Population 24,962, and it's growing. <gasps> Lenape, Tappan, Hackensack, and Raritan Native Americans were the area's first inhabitants. Tenacious warriors, they preferred to make peace with arriving white settlers. The Lenapes in North America date back to 10,000 BC when half the continent was covered by the Wisconsin Glacier. They lived on the west shore of Staten Island, hunting mastodon and giant caribou. West Brighton was originally settled by the Dutch. This is back in the 1600s. And then, of course, came the English. During the Revolution, West Brightonites remained loyal to the crown. Great transformation came after World War II. Big housing developments sprang up like Markham homes built for the families of shipyard and defense workers. South of Forest Avenue in the Sunset Hill area of West Brighton, your well-to-do live there. Pardon me, would you have any gray coupon? West New Brighton is home to the Staten Island Zoo. Along the Kilvan Cull waterfront, you'll find shipyards and tugboat operations. The West Brighton area has small abandoned cemeteries in which some of the island's founding families are interred. The Michael J. Mahoney Playground is named for a son of West Brighton who fought five major battles in 1918. He was killed charging up Blancmont Ridge in France in a hail of German machine gun fire. battle was a turning point in the conflict. Anna Leonowens is from West Brighton. She co-founded the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. She was the governess to the King of Siam. Chronicles of her experiences were later turned into the musical The King and I. We've just been introduced. I do not know you well. But when the music started, something drew me to your side. So many men and girls are in each other's arms. It made me think we might be similarly occupied. We'd love to be your radio station, West New Brighton, Staten Island. And we hope you're listening. Scars that never heal, never do they heal. Scars that never heal, 
Never do they hear One last thread on the lupo plane One must oil the bike chain Tarzan loves Jane Aspirin loves pain Old man needs cane Blood circles drain Changed. The sun is out, but the mood is strange. Leaning a lot on those Eskimo pies. Look at the sadness in your eyes. Domino hammer, smash the hand. Domino hammer, smash the hand. Good morning, listeners. I'm Evan Funk Davies, and this is Pop Rocks. If it's a pop song that rocks, or a rock song that pops, 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 you'll hear about it on Pop Rocks. Today's featured Pop Rocks artist is appropriately named for a morning radio show. They're called The Expressos. The Expressos formed in 1979 in London, England. Two members of the group had previously been in the London punk band The Bazoomies, who named themselves after the Russian word for madness, and not whatever you might be thinking right now. <laughs> the Bazoomies were around from the mid-70s until 1978 and included future Expressos Johnny Cristo and Mick Toldy. Toldy was a longtime friend of guitarist Keith Levine, and since the Sex Pistols and the Bazoomies both split up around the same time, Levine had the idea of putting a band together with himself, Toldy on second guitar, and John Lydon on vocals. And I came for the UK, yeah. And thus, Mick Toldy found himself in the earliest version of Public Image Limited, although by his own telling, he didn't last too long with the band due to the fact that Lydon felt one guitarist was enough, and Toldy became the odd man out. Ever get the feeling you've been cheated? With time on his hands, Toldy was visiting a friend's place on Baker Street in early 1979 when, as he tells it, in walks this lovely-looking bird called Rozzy. That was Rozzy Rayner, who was working as Richard Branson's assistant at Virgin Records at the time. Rozzy and Mick began dating and soon moved in together, and before long, the Expressos were born. Along with Mick and Rozzy, the band included Johnny Cristo from the Bazoomies on bass, Nicholas Payal on guitar and keyboards, and Mylan Zakovica on drums. They signed to Wea in the UK for tons of money, as Tolte tells it, and released one LP that generated four singles before the Expressos called it quits in 1981. Bass player Cristo and drummer Zakavico would go on to form the Escape Club, while Toldy and Rayner stayed together and even started writing together again in the 2000s. Sadly, Mick Toldy passed away in 2011. Here's one of the tracks that was released as a single from the Expresso's 1980 album Promises and Ties, Kiss You All Over. A series designed to make you a better you.
It's a promise. Do you struggle to grow plants, Glistener? Don't worry, because today you will learn how to take care of your house plants using extra sensory perception. So let's begin. Tip number one. Research has shown that plants love a good chat. But my secret tip for you is to use ASMR with your plants. ASMR is that tingling feeling in your spine when you hear certain sounds. Give it a try. Hi, little plant. You have such beautiful leaves. Do you need more water, sweetie? Oh, your stems are marvelous. Tip number two. Use the power of telepathy on your plants. Sit in front of your plants. Close your eyes. Focus on the plant's leaves receiving sunlight on a molecular level. Picture the roots absorbing plenty of nutrients. Now imagine a ray of light emanating from your solar plexus. Your consciousness is an envelope to a photosynthetic energy flow between you and your green friends. Add water. Tip number three. Mimic the healing sounds of nature. Other counselors might advise you to play classical music to your plants, but not me. Remember, plants were doing just fine before Beethoven was born, but they certainly love the sounds of nature. Why not mimic the sound of a bee visiting your plant? Or the sound of water floating? Be creative. Use your own voice to establish an empathic relationship with your plant. Oh, those afternoons in the greenhouse. Listening to you, playing the piano next to the begonias. I was just a seedling, eager to learn more about you and your mysterious ways. But I digress. As they say in my hometown in Portugal, Acertar com a quantidade de água adequada para uma planta pode ser complicado. Enfie o dedo na terra. Se estiver úmido, não regue por um dia ou dois. You've been listening to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Good. It's a weekly digest of the special features and moments which make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Woo! After all, you wouldn't want to miss special moments like this. Ah, oh, you're in a good mood today, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Set your alarm and join us each Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on WFMU.org. A little too early for you. Catch the archive show, which you can find easily on WFMU's homepage each day. I'm Clay Pigeon. They call me the Pigeon. Join me each morning for the full show, either on the radio or online at WFMU.org. And keep glistening.